Hello and welcome to Found. I'm your host, Daryl Etherington, and this week I'm the me to myself, because Jordan isn't here. It's a very special episode of Found. Don't worry, Jordan will be back next week, but this week we're going to talk to a couple of founders who participated in our recent TC Sessions Mobility event. I caught up with two of them who took part in our pitch-off. So the pitch off is basically a competition where the startups presented on stage live in front of our audience and in front of a panel of judges. And the judges then decided which was the best pitch of the day. And they were awarded a place in our special startup Battlefield 200, which is a key part of TechCrunch Disrupt this year. And you can check out more information about TechCrunch Disrupt on the website. I encourage you to do that. So this week, though, first up, we have Eloi Guillotin who is the co-founder and CEO of Beyond Aero. Beyond Aero is making long-range electric aircraft possible using hydrogen electric propulsion. So let's hear from Eloa. Um, okay, so can you just set us up by uh, saying your name and the company name? So we have that. Eloa. Eloa. Eloi. If you want to pronounce Is that the American pronunciation? Yeah. <laughs> or Eloa. Eloa, okay. Uh-huh. And I'm the co-founder and CEO of Beyond Aero. Okay, Beyond Aero, great. And I, I was watching your presentation here at TC Mobility, so I got a little bit about it, but for our audience who may have missed it, what does the company do? Beyond Aero is building um, a zero emission mm-hmm. private aircraft, but the key is to design the whole aircraft around the hydrogen electric propulsion. Because we believe that aviation will be electric. So uh, lithium batteries are too heavy. So hydrogen is the key for such an aircraft. Great. And so how did you start this company? Or how did you come to be passionate about aviation, Um, I guess? That's two questions in one. (laughs) Uh, Passionate, I guess, from childhood. I wanted to be an astronaut and then a a fighter pilot and then a (laughs) different type of of jobs. But I've started to sell golf ball oh really okay. uh, when i was 10 years old oh. and so i guess i always had in in myself the uh, entrepreneur yeah, yeah let's say that yeah so i've did uh, an aerospace engineering school mm-hmm. and i this is where i've started to study airplanes more and more and so hydrogen you know airbus and uh, the euro yeah the europe they did they did a huge pivot around hydrogen two years ago okay two friends of my two co-founder were working on a on a hydrogen drone on a PhD for electric engine. Mm-hmm. And so at this stage, we said, okay, that, that's for us. <laughs> yeah. We have built several startups together before. Oh, you had already yeah. built other companies, but um, not in aerospace? No, in um, lithium batteries and sometimes in blockchain, in different type of things. Okay. Yeah, but it didn't work for different type of reason. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, we said, okay, you know, it was COVID. And so we had the fire inside us of, of the last of the previous startups. Yeah. So we said, okay, that's for us. That's what we want to build. That ring a bell deeply inside us. Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. It has like the potential to change a lot, right? I mean, if you get that scale, it changes the entire aviation industry, yeah. right? But, that's why we do it. Yeah. Because we are deeply frustrating, if I may, uh, mm-hmm. about the way that things are. You have a lot of lobbying and uh, it's really deeply not moving fast, uh, fast enough yeah. right now. Because I was going to say, like, why wouldn't you just go to a legacy company and try to convince them to s- use their massive resources to spend into a project like this, right? But... There are. Some are, some are not. I think it's too slow. If you look at the data from GEC report and more, we don't have time to lose. Uh, 
we need to act right now fast. And so, yeah, that like I was saying a bit earlier, it's going to start with smaller aircraft also. Mm -hmm. So the large player are more pivoting slowly and slowly, even if they are. I'm not saying they're, they're not, right. but, but slowly. So um, as a startup, I think that's a good way to start where the need is really strong on the market. So that's why private jet, because it's not acceptable anymore to fly in a private jet. Yeah, like even for public image, right? It's yeah. like you don't want to be associated with that, right? Those who have a public image will be more the early adopters because uh -huh. they don't have the right to fly anymore uh, in Europe, especially. Oh, are they actually forbidden from doing so? Uh, some are, some are not, but they hide it. Okay. So they are taxed, banned. Mm -hmm. on the, some corporate jets are banned for top managers yeah. right now in Europe. So um, that will be more the early adopters. And then the market is larger. You have airlines, corporate jets uh, and more. So, yeah. Great. But I know there's some companies, I think there's like a company called Zero Avi or something here mm -hmm. in the States that's doing similar thing and they're targeting kind of regional airports. Yeah. Is that also your approach or what about the on the airport side? Do you imagine being in every airport eventually? Yeah. So there's two questions in one also. And, uh, Zero Avi is more building the power train itself. Okay. And so doing a retrofit of an existing aircraft where our position is more to build the architecture of the aircraft around the hydrogen powertrain, mm -hmm. taking into account the hydrogen constraints, so the volume and the mass of the fuel cell, mm -hmm. of the tanks, and, and the heat coming from the fuel cell mainly. So um, that's one part of the question, and the second is about hydrogen in infrastructure, uh, if I Yeah, well, just well. Uh, like, is this something you could imagine seeing at every airport? Like, could listeners be like, oh, if I go to the airport, one option is there's... Uh... We are not there yet, yeah, okay. but... Um, I'm doing this company because we need to be there yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah. But it's a circle. The airports need to operate hydrogen because they need to have clients. Right. And same, we, we need to have them to build an aircraft. They're not going to keep the fuel if they don't have the planes to fly. Yeah. And then, but so that's which why, comes first, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so that's why I'm really happy that it has to start from the government. You know, lighting the fire and then the private companies will continue and expand the operation of, of hydrogen. Yeah. So this is what happened in Europe. I hope it will expand as as much as we can over the United States. We'll see. Depends of, uh, you know, the big players are Boeing and Airbus. Yeah. So Airbus did the pivot. We'll see about Boeing. Do you work directly with governments a lot or has it just been going that way naturally or do you are you active trying to get legislation pushed forward? Yeah, we, we do work with uh, the French government mm -hmm. in several ways, especially also with Europe. You have several levels. You have regional help that we've got. You have national help and then Europe help. Mm -hmm. uh, so it depends on the size of the funding usually. But uh, everyone is really pushing for green hydrogen every, yeah. everywhere. So it's not, we need to be careful because hydrogen has to be green. Yeah. It's not the case yet, but everyone is pushing. So we need to say that, yeah, we will be at the end of the chain. As you know, you have a production, storage, distribution and utilization. We are yeah. the last chain. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we need to show everyone that we are here and that we will be the final client and we will consume the hydrogen so, yeah, mainly signing partnerships with every different type of supplier yeah. uh, and infrastructure with airports already and, and more. But demonstrating that as long as you build the other links in the chain, like we'll be there at the yes. end, right? Okay, okay. Great. This is maybe tangential, but like I used to cover the automotive space a lot, right? And there was the hydrogen was one of the alternative fuel options that people thought might hydrogen cell cars, right? And I imagine had that become something that was at scale, it would help your infrastructure structure problem, right? Has, have you mm -hmm. followed that? Do you have a big stake in that? Is the business kind of like buoyed um, by that or hurt by that, I suppose? It's closely linked, mm. for sure, but it's not exactly the same connectic. 
Okay. Everything has still to be defined. So some are even talking about liquid hydrogen, so mm -hmm. it won't be the same. But for sure, the fact that we need to produce hydrogen, whatever the use case, yeah. uh, is linked. Yeah. Um, everything is linked. So, so yeah, yes about that. But for cars, is my personal opinion is that it made less sense. Mm, it yeah. do, does make a bit sense, but lithium batteries are, are already operational for cars. And they don't have the weight problems. Well, not to the same exactly. extent. Exactly. I yeah. mean, less. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So hydrogen makes less sense for me for cars than air aircraft. Mm -hmm. But... The whole industry has to push forward, so yeah, still yeah. happy to work on that. Yeah. So we mentioned some tricky things, like regulation, working with government, that's tricky. Supply chain, very tricky. But what, what has been your biggest challenge, I suppose, in building the company or in being a leader? Like, it doesn't have to be actually the company, but what's your biggest personal challenge you've had so far, I suppose? Yeah, you, you have challenge linked to the company and then mm -hmm. personal challenge. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a difference. For the company, I would say we have three challenges. Certification, for sure. Yeah. Green hydrogen in airports and fundraising. Because uh, right. it's uh, always a yeah, <laughs> always fundraising. For me, you mean the, my personal challenge, right? Yeah, like because you're, you're a leader at this company, right? You're building it not on your own, but with a small group of people. And what have what has that taught you about yourself in terms of being an entrepreneur? I guess you've had previous experience, right? So yes. what have you possibly learned from previous experience too? Let's start from that. Okay. Um, yeah, a, a big mistake that I did earlier is to do a, a company that has no project market fit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> as an engineer, I was building a great project, but <laughs> no project market fit. Um, so you were just very excited. About by the yeah. idea from an engineering perspective. <laughs> yeah, and then when, when we reached market, people were like, no, it's cool, you know, but I won't buy it. So, <laughs> you know, the nice to have and not must have. Yeah. Uh, th this feeling was really awful. So that's why also I'm really careful now about not building just an aircraft for an aircraft, but something that will really have an impact. Yeah. So that's something that really drives me. I don't know. You said challenges. Yeah, um, like, you know, team management, people management. I, I love it. I, yeah. For me, it's not a challenge. I love it because, you know, I'm always talking about um, deliverables, mm. budget, and deadlines. Yeah. And as soon as you agree on these three things with the leader of the subject in your team, everything is smooth. I, I deeply trust people, sometimes too much. Mm -hmm. But when I think when you are able to recruit smart people and great people and autonomous people, yeah. as soon as you agree on deliverables, budget, deadline... Everything uh, else falls every, into place. Yeah, I think maybe I'm not old enough yet but for the moment it's working really well on that maybe I might have too much trust sometimes yeah. uh, but um, let's face it I, I won't I won't be the head of engineering of the aircraft for sure my goal is really to to drive the market and the customer and the fundraising so I need to trust the, the person that will lead such um, an aircraft yeah is that difficult for you having a technical background to not be more involved in that or no because I'm not here for my ego I'm here to build a great company yeah. uh, <laughs> And I have two amazing co-founders, Hugo and Valentin. They really are amazing about this subject. So they master it. Yeah. And we trust each other. We know each other for six years now. Oh, wow. Okay. So we have built several startups together yeah, right. uh, you before. Mentioned, yeah. And it was always the same three co-founders? or? Yeah, two. And then a fourth one that is not here anymore. And yeah, yeah. the three of us. So the fact that we deeply know each other and trust each other and are here for a better cause, mean that we are good at what we do and we should continue to do that and not try to control the company or, yeah. or the person that we recruit. You don't have power struggles or anything no. like that. <laughs> and that the, the person who have, I guess, they are not here for the right reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, but I deeply think that we, the three co-founders, are here for 
changing aviation. And yeah. so if that means that my role will be a small part of it, okay, that's okay. As soon as the company will continue towards the, the vision and what we want to do, that's okay. Great. And we <laughs> talked about fundraising a bit, so I want to come back to that. Is that something that you find challenging or, or do you enjoy it? or how do I, you... enjoy, I loved it. Really? <laughs> I love it. For sure, it's the harder thing in my life, I think. Yeah. Founders who did raise uh, know it. <laughs> it's uh, up and downs every day, but I love it because it's when you feel alive and that you you are in. I'm convinced that we are doing something that matter right. and that the world needs. So my job is just to find enough great people to trust us to build such a company. And since I'm already convinced about what I I do, I think people can feel it. Yeah. Then. I understand the reason of sometimes it's too crazy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. But now fundraising is really a, I would never quit that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I <yeah>. love it. <laughs> it sounds like it's like, it's kind of like you can go out and just try to find kindred spirits, right? Because you're a true believer already. And you're like, as soon as you find people who get it, it's like, oh, good. We resonate on that level. So it's but you know, satisfying. it's because we, we, we found the project market fit this time, if yeah. I may. Right. But because I know that when the clients are coming to us and asking us, when is it ready? Yeah. We are like, okay, like I'm sleeping well at night, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever happened, I'm like, okay, we just need to do it. We just need to build it. Just. <laughs> yeah, because it, it'd be troubling if they were like, we don't need yeah. any updates. It's okay. Like, take yeah. your time. <laughs> yeah. That would be uh, more difficult. Yeah. No, and uh, I love uh, You said about the co-founder. You asked a question about the co-founder. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we are all uh, athletes, uh, um, former athletes. Oh, okay. You go in track and field, uh, Valentine uh, in swimming and, and, and me in, in gymnastic. And I think that's one of the core value also mm -hmm. of why fundraising is a great thing for me. But um, Hugo and Valentine have their own subject. I deeply think that uh, the fact that we know that it's only when you practice again and again and again yes. and again, you have this goal in front of you and you just do it again and again. And whatever the mountains, the rocks are here and people are telling you it's not working, blah, blah, blah. You continue. And I, yeah. as soon as you know, you know, you have this fire inside you and that you know that you want to go there. I mean, that's okay. That's why oh. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's, that's great because you you have the mentality of failure is not an end point. Failure not an is a step, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I don't have that because I, <laughs> I played sports when I was younger, but <laughs> my most illustrious sport uh, anecdote is like one time I was playing baseball at my father's request and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I just started crying and I didn't stop crying <laughs> until he allowed me to leave the field and never come back to baseball. So I learned the quit thing. I learned that quitting works pretty well yeah. and then it's okay. <laughs> you get some ice cream, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, but for sure, it depends of person, depends of the field, depends of why. The question of why you do it yeah. is yeah. crucial because if you deeply inside you, if you don't know why you do it, you won't... You want you won't stay up at night. Yeah. See the difference? You you can give every effort during the day, but if you don't know why you deeply need to do it, then that won't succeed You're at the end. Maybe for up. a bit, but not at the end. Yeah, yeah. So just one last question, because you were you participated in our, our competition here. How did you find that experience? How was it going up on stage and, and talking to the judges? Amazing. Um, very hot with uh, all the spotlight. Yes, yeah. A lot of lights, bright lights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, But uh, no, it's really nice. It's trying to, to learn the, um, 
American culture too, because mm -hmm. it's a bit different. I'm, I'm used to pitch in, uh, in France, yeah. but it's not the same way to do it here. So trying to learn, but no, really, really nice. I think I got uh, great feedback from the crowd also. Okay. Uh, I felt great. So we'll see. Maybe maybe that won't succeed yet. But like I was saying, that's okay. There will be others and others. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Pitch practice, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you it. to you. Next up is Jim Gibbs from Meter Feeder. Meter Feeder's mission is to provide a low-cost payment and enforcement solution for small to mid-sized governments for parking through an API. Let's hear from Jim. All right. Hello. Greetings. Can you give our listeners just your name and also the name of your company? Sure. My name is Jim Gibbs, and the name of my company is Meter Feeder. Meter Feeder. Yes. Oh, that sounds... We feed meters. That sounds benevolent. I like the sound <laughs> of this. Do you want to give us a quick description of what Meter Feeder does? Sure. So we are an API that enables parking and parking ticket payments. Right? Okay. So, I mean, a lot of people start off like, oh, I have an app to pay for parking. It's like, okay, right. well, that's cute. That's not the future of parking, though, right? <laughs> it's not 2007. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, we enable, like, cars to pay for parking on their own. And, oh, you know, okay. Just general things like that. Yeah, that sounds great. I thought... When I first heard the name, I was like, are you walking by and just dropping quarters into the meter so that people don't get tickets? But yeah, you know, do things that don't scale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so how did you come up with this idea? Sure. So I have a wife and five sons, mm -hmm. and the chances of me having change in my pocket is pretty much zero. Right, right. Right. So every time I would pull up to a parking meter, I would be like, okay, well, I just got to get a ticket. Right? Yeah. And, um, you know. My co-founder and I, we've been writing software since about 2000. Okay. So we were just like, all right, bro, come on. We like, can fix this. We, we need to do this. <laughs> yeah. So we actually entered a hackathon. 300 people entered. We ended up winning. Wow. Um, yeah. That was the birth of the company? That was the birth of the company. Oh, that's great. Because we hear, we used to have hackathons quite a bit, although we don't so much anymore. I don't know why. But we, it was great to hear about companies that went on to actually like establish themselves out of that right? yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it was funny because it was like it was ten thousand dollars oh wow so okay. i mean needless to say i kept my day job but <laughs> <laughs> not exactly the same money you need to get the company fully started right but it's but, like yeah i mean it was enough money for us to buy meterfeeder.com so oh I mean, come on. okay what do you good need? url yeah yeah, yeah yeah did you have the name of the company at that point or did you yeah go, yeah yeah okay. so i mean the the original was meterfeederapp.com meterfeeder.app, all that stuff. And we were like, this is terrible. And we won money. We were like, oh, hey, there you go. Good way to spend it. Yeah, yeah. I've spent $10,000 on a domain before. But it didn't, it didn't become a business, not become anything. It's nice. become a regret. Yeah, that's funny. I, I, I have a lot of domain names. That is one of those things that yeah. uh, those those awkward addictions uh -huh. like yeah. that people from who are in tech in the 90s still that's have. That's right. We remember... <laughs> We remember the real estate rush and being like, yeah. if I just hit the right one, yeah. I'm set. Right? Yeah. I mean, like the other day I bought cuzlightyear.com. I was like, <laughs> we've got to talk about crypts in space, but. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So you mentioned your, is it your co-founder? Yeah, yeah. With? You'd been working together since 2000? Yeah, so yeah. Talk a bit about more of that. Were you just coworkers or how did you guys get connected? That's hilarious. So um, I had a, you know, software dev firm, right? Because yes. it was one of those weird things. I went through Carnegie Mellon, like studying computer science and all that stuff. And like, I could not find a software developer job, huh. right? So um, I was like, fine, I'm going to do it myself. Right, right. right. So what I ended up doing was, um, you know, helping out this one company. They gave me some office space. It was like, we work before we work, yeah. you know? And they were like, if you just write us some software. That's your in-kind payment. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And uh, he was in the cubicle next to mine. Mm -hmm. And I just worked day in and day out. 
his thing was we built a domain name registrar mm -hmm. for the UK. Okay. It was called internic.co.uk. <laughs> Talk about domain names, right? <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is, it's like, so he would be there at like three o'clock in the morning being called a charlatan because they realized that he wasn't from the UK, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden we just started getting along, right? Oh. And we just built all of these things and just kept building and building and building. And now, you know, we just look at our wives like they're lightweights, like, come on, you barely <laughs> even know them here. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, you hear these stories, but it's often like, oh, you know, we just like we're working together and we decided we don't want to do this for this person anymore. But yeah. it sounds like it's much more random meet cute uh, that you guys. Yeah. Kind of well, I mean, it, it also helped that like the same people who were essentially screwing us over, <laughs> you know, so we could like commiserate with one another and it just yeah. turned into like, okay, we need to build something for ourselves. Yeah. But has, is this your first venture back company or have you founded other things? Yeah. Well, I founded other things, yes. but yeah, I have. definitely did not. I mean, like for example, the first app that we built, that's hilarious. was in 97. Mm -hmm. It was an app. So doctors can create diets and then you can uh, scan UPC codes from your phone yeah. and tell whether or not you are able to eat that food. Okay. Right. And, I think uh, you were ahead of your time. I feel like that was yeah. a popular type of app in the early iOS days. Yeah. Well, the problem with that is people said that no one would ever use the internet on their phones. <laughs> so if you're wondering if I was a bit ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that seems to be my MO. Yeah. Yeah. But then did you attempt to seek venture backing for that? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. it's like, uh, yeah, we, we really did try and um, it just wasn't there. It's like if I was building a store for yo-yos or something like that, yeah. I would have gotten a gazillion dollars. Like, cause that was like the dot com boom, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to build something that was actually useful and trying to save some people's lives. Yeah. No, but that was the time of Zappos. And I mean, and they actually did well afterwards, but yeah, yeah. you're right. If it was an online store for yo-yos, you would have been <laughs> great. Golden, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So then what was your path to this one specifically? Like what made you say like, oh, I want to go for it again and this is the right time for this one? Right? Sure. Well, we had built a platform. My co-founder and I, we helped build a platform that handled about 30% of all the mobile retail sales in the US. Oh, okay. Right? And that and was not venture back. That company was venture back, but we were just employees. Oh, I see. I right? see. Okay. Yeah. So we saw like there was a lot of money moving yeah. around. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that there was like a little bit of like, we could do that. Yeah. No. And <laughs> but, as you should, right? Yeah I, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that was the thing, right? We knew that it was going to be difficult, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we were just like, you know, the tech side, we know that we can do it. You knew it. Instead, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, along the same vein, the unfortunate side is as we're trying to raise money, mm -hmm. people were looking at me as where are you going to find the software talent in order to like scale this thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, the people who were asking me these questions, I had literally made them millions of dollars right. with the software that I've written. Yeah. Right. It's just that I kept a low profile. So nobody really knew who I was. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, it took a little while before yeah. people started realizing like, Oh, it was you and him writing the software. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, we're there now and, uh, sky's the limit. But what was the challenge there? Was it, was there bias or was it like, um, Yes, and okay. Uh, Pittsburgh isn't known for their like for adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you if you compare like SV Angel versus an angel organization in Pittsburgh, yeah, they're doing maybe five deals a year, right? 
right? So if you want to compare, like just the, the volume just isn't, yeah, it yeah. just isn't there. So um, yeah, we had to come out to Silicon Valley, and uh, we got some some money from you know some some folks here. Yeah. And the first investor was like, "Can you live like a cockroach?" Mm. I'm like, "Man, I got a thousand square foot office for a thousand bucks a month. Yeah, right. I could live like a cockroach. Let's do this." Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what we did. We just like sat down, built out all the software that we needed to do. Now you guys are seeing my face again. Nice. Yeah. I, th- I mean, that's cool. And that's a great skill to have now, right? Because now yeah. we're, I mean, I'm talking within the last week or whatever, like when yeah. the market just turned around and became like, are you a survivor? Are you a cockroach is a great way to put it. Because yeah. that's what, we might have it on TechCrunch right now, listeners, if you're li- reading or hearing this, but like there was a note that YC sent out to all its founders yeah. that was essentially that. It was essentially become a cockroach, right? Yep. Because you don't know, and you do know, because yep. you've lived through, you know, the other booms and busts, but right. you, you might think you're immune and you are not immune. Right. Do you feel like that's a competitive advantage at this point or what? Actually, even worse, we just raised money like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So we're just like, oh, hey, look, all these people are laying off. <laughs> so let's go pick them up. Right? Meter feeder is hired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it, it's it's one of those things like we're not going to be able to pay what people have gotten used to being paid. Right. But, you know, we can definitely make sure that you're not unemployed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's your other pitch to, to folks? Like what's like the mission statement, I guess? Or I mean, if we're going to be honest, uh-huh. like I'm trying to make 25 cents every time somebody stops a car, right? Great. Um, That's a great mission statement. I was about to say, <laughs> seriously, like you had the zero emission Plane jets, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm trying to buy one of those. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, and that's the thing. It's like, I want to bring my team with me. Yeah. Right? So everybody knows it. My co- like I said, my co-founder and I, we've known each other for an obnoxiously long amount of time. Right. And that is the the genuine feeling of us helping each other just continue to build and to grow. And, and you're extending to the other members exactly, of the team, right? Exactly. So everybody feels right at home. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's very refreshing because it's like you didn't have, you didn't come at me with the we're going to change the world thing, right? <laughs> Which is, I think, every founder we've ever, I'm looking at Maggie, our producer, and she's nodding. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, I do want to change the world, yeah, right? Yeah. But the important thing is, I mean, if I'm, if I'm being serious, like my wife, she actually runs an organization that helps victims of sex trafficking become like positive members of society, right? right? So it's one of those things, like, if you pay for parking, that's where your money is yeah, going. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yes, we are trying to change the world, yeah. but not through parking. Yeah. We're trying to receive the money so that we can in turn do the things that we know that needs to be done. Right. I mean, it helps a lot with, you don't get those conflicts that a lot of the other companies that are mission driven enter into, which is they come to that point where it's like, well, if we stop this one part that's doing so much good, then we could make a lot more money or whatever. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, we're just like, you're not okay. doing harm. Yeah, we're not doing harm. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to make sure those municipalities make money. We're trying to make sure that our investors have a really good IRR. Yeah. Right. And we're trying to make sure that the employees, our children, our children's children are able to do the things that they know that they need to do. Yeah. So that's great. So just practically on the product side, because I am intrigued by the idea of my car paying parking for me. <laughs> but what is what is the like ideal end state? I guess you're determined on customer use, but because you're an API company, but like yeah. what do you envision if you're mature, your company's mature, yeah. and your customer usage is mature, what does that look like for people? Yeah. So if we're talking about like full maturity, like we absolutely just want to work with the OEMs. Yeah. Right. So it's like it just comes off the line and it has the technology already yes. in it. Yeah. We have the whole map of the United States is already geofenced. So wherever you park, just as long as you have your payment information and your license plates in there, you're good to you're go. Set. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that would be a dream. <laughs> 
It really would. Like, because you said earlier, you referenced like, oh, I have an app. It's fine, right? And yeah. we have that. I'm from Toronto. City of Toronto parking has yeah. like, you go and yeah, you take a like picture red, of the... So, oh, green. Green. green park, yeah. Yeah, green pea. Exactly. Yeah, green pea. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you, you know the market very hey, well. Hey, man, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it would be great if I could just drive in, forget it. But like, don't they... This is a maybe the regulatory side or like the working with municipalities. Like, don't they expect a certain amount of bad actors? Like, they want yeah. that because they want people to pay tickets, which are more expensive, yeah. right? So, funny you should say that, uh-huh. right? Because, um, you know, back in 2011, the city of Pittsburgh was going to put in uh, multi-space meters, like, so the kiosks where you could put your credit card in. And the board was a little bit nervous because, oh no, parking ticket revenue is going to go down. Yeah, yeah. Right? So they did $7 million in parking payments and then $700,000 in parking tickets, right? The year that they put everything in, the parking ticket revenue did go down to 600000 So they lost $100,000 in parking ticket revenue. But parking payments went from $7 million to $12 million. Wow, okay, well... <laughs> More than made up. So yeah, it's one of those situations where it's like everyone wants everyone to just be compliant. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. I think there's there's a bit of the conspiracy theory and like, oh, they just want to they're they're just waiting there so they can get us with the twenty five dollar ticket and yeah, ten x the revenue or whatever. Where it's like, no, realistically, because I'll bet a lot of those payments go delinquent anyway, right? And they don't want to yeah. go to collections for anything I, like that. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, like collections is who we really want to beat up <laughs> right yeah <laughs> all of us universally yeah. yeah yeah exactly so what about just as like you know leading a company and recruiting people we touched on this a bit but what have you found about that experience to be challenging or what have you kind sure. of learned over the years about that so the funny thing is it's just the change in mindset right where if you don't do what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. It's failure and it's nobody else's fault except your own, right? Yeah. Right. So it's like having someone like, for example, a software developer who's just like, oh, you know, I'm going to be five days late. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what if I tell you your paycheck's going to be five days late? Right. And it's like when you get that, when you finally fully feel it in your soul, then suddenly you're just like, I'm going to try to be early <laughs> or at least tell the boss that I'm going to be late early enough so that we can move things around, you know? So it's like, it's just that creating that professional, that adult professional person who's able to just come in and be on time and do the things that they need to do. It's not like we're cracking a whip and we're trying to be mean. Yeah. We're literally trying to like, if this were a war, we're trying to keep you alive. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to shape someone into someone who can survive in the market. Generally, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that. I feel that. It's hard. It, it is absolutely I'm not hard. Name names. It's real hard. <laughs> um, and then just finally, because you you're here, your sure. ability. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the experience of going out there and pitching the judges? Did you like it? Was the feedback yeah. good? Be honest. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I think the the funny thing is, is like, admittedly, being able to speak directly to GM on stage. Right. <laughs> so, speaking about talking to OEMs and being directly in the vehicles. Yeah. Kind of useful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think that this was a great experience. I, I'm super honored to be able to be selected to be part of this, but yeah, I'm, I'm also excited to see the next step and, and where we go from here. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I mean, you did tell me right before going on that you're used to Muay Thai. Muay Thai. That's right. Muay Thai. I pronounced it wrong. Muay Thai. Yeah. Um, Falang put pasa thai to wake up. And so that, do you do you attribute a lot of your sort of like ability to kind of deal with these high stress situations to to that from your no. personal life? No, like I used to be in dance competitions, if oh, anything. Okay, right? and um, 
yeah, like dance competitions, I used to go buy books and food and stuff like that when I was studying computer science at Carnegie Mellon. Wow. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's how I had pocket money. That's how I, I essentially lived. Just from the pots, from the prize money, from yeah. dance competitions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like no one would hire me as a software developer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll be a dancer. So I'm going to go outside the pizza shop and go dance. Right. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, you know, if you're like doing a backflip and you like land on your mouth, right? That's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm just going out and talking to a whole bunch of mobility <laughs> nerds. I'm just fine, right? Yeah. So I went from that to fight Muay Thai, yeah. right? Like nobody's going to elbow me in my eyebrow, no. right? I'm just fine. So I'm just talking to some people. It's nice. fun. Everybody wants everybody wants everybody else to succeed here. And that's that's, true. that's super, you know, that's the mindset when I'm going out on that stage. Great. All right. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch News Editor Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch Managing Editor Jordan Crook. Yashad Kulkarni is our executive producer. We are produced by Maggie Stamitz and edited by Kel Keller. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com, and you can call us and leave a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Also, we'd love if you could spare a few minutes to fill out our listener survey at bit.ly slash foundlistenersurvey. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.